0: Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Um, We have been in this chapter for a few weeks now. Last week we weren't here, we were at Serve Sunday and everyone was out serving and I just want to again thank you guys so much for doing that. We've gotten letters and responses, if you see our Facebook, from some of the places that we were able to serve and just the the immense value it brings to those ministries and, and those nonprofits that we serve alongside. So thank you for doing that. Um, we were in uh, chapter 10 and we had talked about kind of this is the beginning of Jesus sending out um, kind of missionaries. He, he turns, he sees this, the, the harvest is plentiful. He says, pray earnestly for laborers. And then he turns to these 12 disciples and he says, and now I send you out. And so we've been working through this. And two weeks ago we kind of talked about um, the fact that, that this mission isn't easy. This mission of loving others or, or serving, serving others or, or, or sharing the gospel with others is incredibly Difficult. It was incredibly difficult. And so we started at the beginning of this where Jesus turns to his disciples, he says, I'm sending you out, and I'm gonna give you all authority and all power. And we made the joke that the the disciples were like, sweet, we got all this power, we're gonna see people healed, we're gonna we're gonna see amazing works. And then Jesus goes in to say all these things, and oh, by the way, you'll be incredibly persecuted. I send you out as sheep amidst wolves. And I and brother against brother will be divided. And he starts talking about all these things, and he ends it. Essentially, what we did is he ends it with, and take up your cross. Die to yourself daily and live for me. And so as he, as he gets there, I, I said two weeks ago that we were just gonna hang on this, take up the cross and die and it wasn't a very pleasant feeling. But, but that the fact that some of us have believed a gospel message that's tamed down so much that we believe that, that it's, life is just meant to be easy and comfortable. And so, so what we ultimately did is we, we tore apart that but I said there's some unique promises in this text that I intentionally skipped and we're gonna hit those today and those promises are 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 absolutely beautiful. In fact, in the text we're in today, Jesus essentially waylays every single insecurity you and I have about sharing our faith or living on mission, meaning making disciples in this world. And So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. We're going to kind of read in a couple different sections. Like I said, we've worked our way through all of chapter 10, um, but I skipped a few sections. We're going to start here in about verse 17 and so he was this is where Jesus is saying he said Behold i right before he says I'm sending out a sheep and miss wolves And he says so be wise and, and, and innocent and then and then he goes on and says And you're gonna be beware of men for they're gonna drag you into the courts They're gonna drag you into them and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna put you before governors and kings and they're gonna flog you and then they're gonna basically say you're gonna you're gonna have to bear witness for my sake in this spot and so there's this the first insecurity question that can come from us is what 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 will I say? What if? What if I don't know what to say, Jesus? Like, how? If I tell my coworker, I tell my friend, and I, my assumption is none of you have been drugged into court and then flogged and beaten it for your faith. But my assumption is that there have been opportunities with coworkers or schoolmates or, or spouses or family members where you've had the opportunity to share who Christ is to you. You've had the opportunity to not just share it in act, but actually say the words of the gospel message. And you're like, but if they ask me a question, I don't know. What if they get to dinosaurs? Like, I'm just so confused. I don't know. And what Jesus does, he says this first unique promise, which just destroys the insecurity of I don't know what to say. He says in verse 19, he says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And so what Jesus says is, is look, this is really unique because, remember, most of his disciples he's talking to are fishermen. They're uneducated. And they're going to go and they're going to be put before these incredibly educated religious leaders or governors, and they have to then give an account of who Jesus Christ is. And he says, you don't, hey, you don't need to be worried about what you're going to say. This is because the Spirit of God The same spirit that you and I today, because of the cross and what Jesus Christ has done, if we surrender our life to him, that spirit, he takes dwelling in our hearts and he changes who we are and helps us live in step by what God is calling us to be. And he says, he will give you what to say. What I love is he says, in that hour. It's not like he gives you any kind of prep time. You know, like you ever go, man, I've got a hard conversation. Come on, Spirit, tell me what I'm going to say. And you kind of play the hypotheticals. He just basically says, no, in that moment, in that moment, the Spirit of God will be speaking through you. Jesus' di- disciples could have perfect trust in God in the moment, knowing that he would speak through them what was necessary and needed to be said. Now, this isn't a, a ploy, and I, I think that this is worth saying. This isn't a justification for poor preparation in teaching in poor preparation in sharing the gospel, you know, one of the ways, actually the way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is by us being in line with his word, with the scriptures. So when I speak, the scripture comes out of me because the spirit is changing who I am through the very words of the Bible. So to just say, well, I don't need to know anything, therefore I can just move on, well, you know, I guess in essence, yeah, Jesus can, can use a, a donkey, he's done it before, right? But but ultimately, like, we have an opportunity to be be well-versed in knowing who God is and what he calls of us and how to speak. And so it's not a justification for not doing it. It's basically saying that it doesn't matter if someone asks you a question that you can't answer. The spirit of God will point to Christ. He will bear witness for us. He will do that. And then he, he, he hits in this, and so the first insecurity is what if I don't say it right? What if I don't know what to say? Or I just, you know, some of us use this, well, you know, I'm kind of new in my faith, and I haven't, really, I haven't really spent a lot of time, so I'm just going to not share anything because I don't want to mess anything up. If you remember, the author of this book, Matthew, the very first day he met Christ, he holds a party for all his tax collector friends and says, you've got to meet this Jesus. We already talked about the theology mess that that probably was for him. It's not like he understood. Well, let me tell you how the Trinity works and exactly how this. He had no idea. He said, "This man gave me a chance. He's allowing me to sit at a chair where I don't belong. I don't. I don't fit in. I'm not even supposed to be here. And yet he says I'm welcome. And so it's not a matter of of whether or not you have enough to say or you wait. And then he goes on and he talks about when hits some other stuff where he talks about brother dividing brother and he's going to disciples. Then he goes into this, disciples not above his teacher. So, so why do you expect if they assume that I'm working for Satan, why would you expect anything less as my disciple? They're going to they're make the same claims about you. They're going to say horrible things about you. They're going to say harsh things about you. And again, my assumption is very few of you have probably had family members say, wow, I think you are, are following Satan but they maybe pushed on you a little bit and they said, this God you follow, it's fake. Or they've maybe they've maybe they've ostracized you or they've, they've, they've persecuted you in some way because of faith. And Jesus goes on again, look, I get it. Maybe, maybe just maybe for us, we can't feel it as well, but we can feel the injustice for our brothers and sisters around the world. The things that people are saying about our brothers and sisters, the things that they're doing to our brothers and sisters. In Christ's name, they're saying that you know they're killing people for that, and it just seems like, are you kidding me? How how like, where is your justice, God? I, I don't even know. Like, is 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 this going to be vindicated? And Jesus again hits a section. Now this is very important. He says in six verses, three times, do not be afraid, do not fear. In verse twenty six down to thirty three, three times in the six verses. Do not fear. Now let's look at that real quickly. He says, so have no fear of them. Who cares what they're saying about you? Who cares what they're doing to you? Have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny And not one of them will fall on the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. And so he goes in this section and he's basically saying, look, you have nothing to be afraid of the first thing, the first insecurity that maybe would well up is is I feel like I need to do something to to get justice or vindication. He says, look, nothing hidden won't be proclaimed. I will have my justice. He says, stop stop worrying about that. Like it doesn't make sense to you in this vapor of a life on this world, but trust me, I'm a just God. And there is nothing hidden that won't be proclaimed. There is nothing hidden that, that won't, that person will not have to give an account for. So get out of the way. Let me do it. And so the first insecurity could easily be like, look, look, I just, I, I feel like there needs to be something done for these people that have said something poor about me. And for us in America, in Boise, it's like, oh, they, they said that I'm silly for following Jesus. That, that hurt. God is saying even that they will be held accountable for. And then he goes in the section, of it, which is interesting. He says, look, you don't need to fear people that can hurt the body. You don't need to fear that. Now that's, that I feel like is, is, is an interesting comfort because I, I, I don't know, like, I don't see a lot of comfort in, oh, they can only, they're only going to, you know, flog me and maim me and then kill me. Like, don't fear that. But Jesus is essentially saying, look, don't fear that because that's just a, a, a temporary thing. Fear him who can, who can destroy both body and soul. And there's, a, there's an interesting play on this word Fear. It's used two different ways here. The first fear is, is of anxiousness and scared and timidity, and I don't know what I'm doing. And the second fear, when he says fear him, is more of, of reverence and awe. And so he's saying you don't need to be afraid or cowardly or any of these things of what people may do to your body because you are in, in, a, in a spot of reverence, of awe, of a God who is on high, who is in control of everything. And he doesn't just control what happens to your body, but he can control what happens to your soul. And so he's saying you have nothing to fear. So if you have the fear, what if they hurt me or even kill me? He's saying that doesn't matter. That does not matter. It's 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 hard, but we already kind of aligned that two weeks ago. Like this is meant to be difficult. Following Jesus is not fluffy bunnies and happy little stories all the time. It's very very difficult. But just to go on a little bit further, to give these disciples who at first were like, yeah, I'm going to have all power. Let's go do this. And then he's, they kind of well him back like I'm a sheep with wolves and I'm going to be persecuted. And wait, what's going on? God in his amazing grace and Jesus in just his incredible ability to, to bring confidence, he says the most amazing thing. He goes into this thing about sparrows. Now sparrows were, were, were useless birds back in the day. You could get a sparrow for about a 16th of a day's wage. One denarius. It's, it's less than a fraction of a penny. They were like, I mean, they were, they were pointless animals. They were used for, uh, they, were, they weren't great meat. They weren't great, like, for anything else. They weren't even really viewed as a great sacrifice, but people would do that to atone for sins. And so sparrows were kind of, kind of useless and, and, and around, and they've actually survived for many, many years. So apparently, they know something we don't. But... Um, <clears throat> Sparrows today, like, they eat other birds' eggs. Like, they're just, they're not great birds. But yet God, if Jesus says, but you know what? Not one of those fairly useless birds falls from the sky without your, without your Father in heaven knowing. Just, just sit in that for one moment. Not one of those birds that are not even worth a sixteenth of a day's wage back in this day Most of us, we don't even have any reason to interact with sparrows today. He says, not a single one of them falls from the sky without your father knowing. Now that brings immense confidence to me. And just in case it didn't, Jesus goes on. He says, look, the very hairs on your head are numbered. The very hairs on your head are numbered. He says, in fact, scientists say on average, just so you guys know, every person has about 100,000 hairs on their head. And every day we lose 50 strands on average. I swear in my house with all the women, it's probably 1,000 strands of hair. I don't know what's going on, but like drains, it's just like, like yeah, out of control. It's gross, just so you know. But what's unique about that is that even though we're losing strands, God knows every single strand we lose. Something as insignificant as a hair and, you know, you get to a five head like I am and it starts receding and less and less are there. He knows every single one. He's not confused by what's going on in this world. It's not like he's up there. He's like, whoa, Bren, that's 52. I can't, I can't keep track of two extra hairs a day to lose. He's not, he's not letting go. and this is such an amazing thing for our insecurities when it comes to sharing our faith in, in, in Christ. It's because he's saying, no matter what, no matter what, if, if I care about a, a sparrow falling, if I care about that fairly useless animal, in fact, Matthew six thirty, Jesus has already said this. He says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, oh, you of little faith? This isn't the first time Jesus is a line. Look, God spent a lot of time making the, the flowers really, really beautiful and they just burn up tomorrow. But you, you as a child of God, you as, as, as his adopted child, he cares so much more about you. And what this shows is how big God is. It's not like he says here, I, I think it's, you could fairly easily read in the text here, he doesn't go well when a sparrow falls I know about it, but blue jays and, and hawks, oh, I kind of that's just outside my wheelhouse the point is God knows all of it and so for you that are sitting in this room, when it comes to sharing faith with God, you can have confidence in the fact that that God knows every thi- single thing about you, in fact we go back to the Psalms, he knit you together in your mother's womb he spent individual time with you. It's not like he's up there just kind of clumping them together. Oh, middle class white people, okay, I'll love them this way and and we'll do this. Like he's not segregating like the church does. He's, He's loving every single person on an individual level. So is God really that worried about me? I think we can say absolutely. He's enamored with you. He's paying attention. And it's not not, I want to be really careful. It's not like he's looking down and going, Oh, Brent, you're just my, my best creation ever. I'm so proud of you, and this is amazing. Like, no, he's enamored in me living the way that he created me to, so that I could bring him and his son more glory. And that's that's the that's the context of this text. It's like, look, you need to live on mission. Go make disciples. Share who I am. Even when you're in the in the in the courts being flogged, it's so that you can bear witness for these leaders and the Gentiles. Everything you do when you go to school, when you go to work, wherever you are, what relationship you're in, is so that you can bear witness of his name to those that don't know him. And he goes into this interesting section where he hits down in, in, at the end of it where he talks about receiving me and receiving you. Or not receiving, sorry, um, acknowledging. It says, those who acknowledge me before men, that word acknowledge can translate confess. And I think this is really interesting because we know that, that in Romans we find to even become a child of God, it's a confession of our heart. It's a aligning of who we are. It's a surrender of who we are and all that, that we've done and will do and saying, I confess you as Lord and Savior. And so what he's saying is, those of you that confess before men, I'll confess before the Father. And this is, this is a unique thing because some of us have had opportunities, and I, I shared this a couple weeks ago, where we've had regrets in our lives where we did not share the gospel and we knew that the Holy Spirit was pushing on us, saying you got to say something, like do something here, you should pull over and help that person with a tire and you just kind of ignore it. And so we carry these regrets around. And so then it's like, well, then did I not confess? And so Jesus is going to get up there and well, you know, I'll confess you maybe this one time, but you know, those six other times you didn't confess me. What I love about the Bible is that when we don't take it out of context, and you look at it holistically, we know that Peter denied Jesus three times. Not just didn't confess, but literally outright, I, I, I know nothing of him. We see from the Apostle Paul's writing to Timothy, he's saying, do not be afraid to confess. He's, he's encouraging Timothy, saying, stop hiding from this. Because these are people that we hold up as pillars of faith people that we want to follow and they struggled to confess at times and so it's not like this well I didn't confess that one time so I guess Jesus isn't there but what this picture is, is ultimately is Jesus will be with us standing before God and saying oh this is mine he's mine she's mine and not like God's up there going I want to smite him but no but the, he's literally standing as our advocate saying look don't look at what they did look at what I did don't look at who they are. Don't look, at, don't look at what they once were or anything else. Look at who I am and what I did on the cross. And he stands and confesses us before the Lord, before God. So sometimes the, the question, the insecurity that can come with this is if I really confess that Jesus is Lord, who will be with me? I'm going to lose all my friends. I'm going to lose this relationship. Jesus is with you. And he's not just with you in this moment. He's with you at the most important moment when it comes to your aligning with who God is. And so you have have Jesus ready to confess you. So the insecurity of, well, I won't have any friends or this boy may not like me anymore, that's all obsolete when you realize who Christ is. I'd much rather him confess me than some person I'm trying to appease please here on earth for temporary time and then the last section here in, in, in verse 40 after he goes through this idea of sword like I didn't come for peace and I came with a sword and I'm going to cut families in half and it's going to be really really hard he ends on this, this really interesting section He basically in verse 40 says whoever receives you receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me the one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous man, a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of the little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And I I'd struggle to think of the questions here, but you know, is, is, there any really, is there any value to this? Like, Is there any value to what we're doing here? Is, is He's saying, look, there's, there's, there's rewards for this. With whom whom am I doing this for? Or What return will I get on my time? Those all sound so difficult to ask, right? Essentially, Jesus is saying, look, you're going to be rewarded for what you do. And I'm, look, I'm a parent. I like to reward my kids, but if they're only doing it for the reward, I feel like that's the wrong motivation. But what's really, really interesting here is that Jesus takes us to a reward. And really, he's attacking the insecurity of, is anyone noticing when you do something, is anyone, is anyone noticing? And he, he works down this way. The prophets and then the, the righteous men. And then he just says the little one or these little ones. And that's essentially talking about like a prophet is someone that is, has been called by God to, to, to carry his word out. And he's saying if you do anything for a prophet, you don't even have to be a prophet. You will gain a prophet's reward. And he works his way back. And, and a righteous man, someone that's in, in great standing and he's only righteous because of what Christ has done. So ultimately all of us are righteous if we're in Christ But he's saying, you'll receive this reward. But then he ends, and I love it, he ends on if you just give a cup of cold water. I mean, just a a glass of water, which in all honesty is kind of a shallow gift because they're going to get thirsty again. I mean, right? I mean, maybe there's a time where it's like it's necessary and it's needed, but ultimately they're just going to have to drink water again. He's saying, that will go unnoticed. That will not go unnoticed by me. And so essentially what this question is, is is a lot of us, really, if we were honest with ourselves, we struggle to share God or live on mission or make disciples because we just don't see a lot of return on our investment. What's in it for me if I do this? And maybe you don't ask it that way, but we ask it differently. Like, well, I really want someone to be pouring into me so that then I can pour into someone else. And we spend so much time looking behind us, asking for someone else, that we forget there's all these people right here needing our help. And so he's saying, look, I, look. whatever you do, however you serve, however you share, whatever you do, it will not go unnoticed by your Father who is in heaven. By the way, this is the same Father that knows every single strand of hair on your head. This is the same Father that despite yours and my gross, sin, broken life, sent his Son Jesus Christ to die in our place so that we can be in right standing with him. He's saying it won't go unnoticed. So when you serve, or when you do this, you don't do it and go, man, I hope I, I, hope I see something. And basically what he's doing here is he's, he's essentially saying, look, it's, it's one thing, it's pretty easy for us as, a, as Christians to kind of serve celebrity Christians, serve people in a way, or, or to show people that like, hey, if I do that, I'll, go, I'll be noticed. And he's saying, look, essentially here, and we'll get later into this, but he says, whatever you do the least of these, you've done unto me. As so he's saying this whole, like, doing it for man, this insecurity that we have where we want to get some kind of something out of it and be like, oh, yes, I feel better about myself because I did this. He's saying, look, that doesn't really matter because there's a reward for you. Now, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if Jesus is up there with us. He's like, well, here's your brand-new car. I, I have no idea what he's going to, like, what rewards do I even care about that's any of these things that we have around us when I'm in the presence of the God who created me? But this isn't the only time Jesus talks about this. And I don't think he's up there going, well, looks like Bren's losing the watch for that decision today. Let's get rid of this one. I'm going to go give this to this guy over here because he's doing a better job. I, I have no idea. But what it does for us, the insecurity it attacks is, look, your father notices. And what's the most amazing thing about our father noticing this is that not only does he notice what we do for his kingdom's sake, but he doesn't look at what we didn't do because he just sees Christ in us. I, mean, I I feel like he kind of got the short end of that stick. I feel like I got a lot better end of that deal. Wait, let me get this right, God. You're not going to hold over me the fact that I may deny you three times before you're crucified, but you're going to then use me more so, and then I'm going to get rewarded for doing things for you? All for the sake of revealing and showing more of his kingdom to this lost and broken world today. And so when we get on mission, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, dying to yourself daily and stop finding your value in things of this world is really difficult. But seeped into the middle of that entire section of, diff- I would encourage you guys, go back and read this entire chapter 10 all over again. Don't read it broken up and just see, like, every time, I feel like I was, a, if I were a disciple sitting there, every time I'd start going, wait, wait, what's going to happen? Then he kind of pulls him back in, but I'll do this for you. Wait, wait, what's going to happen? No, no, but, but, but don't fear and he keeps going, and, he's, and he gives us reasons not to fear. It's not like he's just saying, stop fearing. He's saying, no, no, no. You need to fear, but you need to have an awe, an awe a reverence, fear, to the God who made you because ultimately, look, he's in control. So when you share your faith or you, you, you try and show the gospel through action or word or in any way, when you do that, what you're doing is you're basically saying, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to live on the mission that God has called me to. So some of you are like, well, I just don't know what, I don't, I want to go into the full mission field, and I don't really know what God's calling me to. Well, guess what? He called all of us to the same thing. We just do it differently, vocationally differently. And some of you are like, I really just want to leave the country to serve God. We'll start serving Him today here. Some of you say, well, I just really wish my friend would know Christ. Well, have you ever talked to that friend about Christ? You ever opened your mouth? Look, it's God can't open the hearts of anyone, but it's not a really intuitive message. It's not like when I serve someone on a Sunday, they go, wow, that's really neat. Jesus is the Son of God, and He's a part of the Trinity, and they just like, it opens up all instantly. Like, I'm still learning that stuff. We've got to open our mouths. We've got to be willing to do so, and He's essentially just given us no reason to be insecure about this. He's squelched all that and said, look, there's It's going to be hard, but I'm here through all of it. Ephesians tells us that he created us to do good works. So, in essence, when we start doing the things that God called us to do, we're actually doing what he created us to be. And I think this ties back to the diet of self because we don't find value in things of this world because we know that that's not where we're going to see value. That's not what we were created for. We aren't of this world. Our job, our role in this, he's invited us graciously into the process of bringing his kingdom here on earth as it is already in heaven. So is it worth putting more energy, time, and effort into? Yeah. Is it worth allowing it to seep into every aspect of our life? Absolutely. Will it go unnoticed? Nope. Your father notices it. What if you don't know what to say? It's okay. It's okay the spirit of God that lives inside of you, as you steep yourself in his word, these words will just come out of you. How the heart flows the mouth. What about this injustice? God is a just God. Is God really that worried about me? Yeah, he's enamored with you. He loves you. Not only did he show that in Jesus Christ, but he continues to show that in this process of, hey, not only did I... I didn't just save you so I could someday see you in heaven. I saved you for a purpose. I saved you to, to bring my kingdom here now, and I'm inviting you into this process. And so when we're sitting around the fire like these disciples were as the first missionaries, and he's saying, I give you all authority to go, he's telling us that. He's saying, go. Do it. You don't just have to, like, pack up and leave to the other country, although I will say some of you should. Maybe that's a call that God's given you. But he's saying, "Why not? Why not just go today, tomorrow? Here's an idea: show it to the people that you that wait on you at restaurants. Show it to the people that walk in these doors here. Show it to the people that you work with. Maybe you could show it to your spouse, or your children, or your family members. But either way, we can do it without fear. We can do it without insecurity." because we are secure and founded in a God that knows every single hair I lose every single day. And he doesn't ever go, oh, I'm out of control. I can't keep up. Let's pray. The band's going to come up. We'll sing some more. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us on mission. Thank you for calling us to uh, be a part of your kingdom here. Yeah, that is not a small task, and that is honestly... Um, a very frustrating thing at times because I feel like all we see is the brokenness and the depravity and the hard, hard moments of what life in this world brings. And I, I feel like every single one of those things just point that much more to the need of your gospel. And so I pray that there would be a, um, a restlessness in each person in here that, 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 that calls you Lord and Savior. There'd be a restlessness in, in the, the family and the friends that are around them. There'd be a restlessness in, in the, the relationships that are around them that don't know or have the peace that comes from only Jesus Christ. God, I pray for, for those in the room that, that, that have that peace but have, have, have been faithlessly moving forward and sharing your mission. God, I pray that you would just rejuvenate a spirit inside of them. Just Light of fire inside of them where they realize, man, what they have in you must and needs to be shared with others. And God, may we not be lopsided and just say, oh, I just try and show it in action, but never open our mouths. Or just open our mouths and never show it in action. God, would you, would you create us, would your spirit, would he work in us in a way that we could not only talk about who you are, not only share about who you are and what you mean to us, but we could show it too? And Father, for those that are here today that are just, I don't even know about Jesus, and I'm not even sure I want to be a part of this. God, maybe for them, you could just uh, help them understand today that you know their hair, you know, their hair on their head. You know their thoughts. You know every single thing about them, and you know why you created them. And so, God, I pray that for those people in the room, for those that, that have not surrendered to you, I pray for an authentic dropping, a releasing of of control and pride. I pray your spirit would just swarm them, and you would take what you say in Ezekiel, you pull a heart of, fle- a, a cold, dead heart of stone and instill a heart of flesh. And I pray as we do this together, God, that we would be a people that truly live out your kingdom, not just in word, not just in deed, but that we actually truly want and desire and plead for our family members, our friends, our coworkers, our classmates, our relationships to be centered on the gospel. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.